Last night, I saw one of the greatest things. Uh, and Chris, I don't know if that, I, I sent it to you. I always send Chris stuff during, during worship. Uh, and don't put it up yet. Is that picture available? Oh, look at that. I got the thumbs up. I'm always, I literally throw it up there like, hey, I'm up in about 30 seconds. Can you put, get this ready? But last night I saw the Wizard of Oz. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's, uh, uh, Professor Matthews, it's tonight and Saturday, correct? Um, is there just one performance on Saturday? Two. Two. Okay. And Sunday. You have lots of options. You have to go see the Wizard of Oz that's going on in the Anderson Chapel. And one of my bucket lists in this entire life since I was a little tiny kid, because you have to remember, those movies came on once a year on TV. And the anticipation of seeing The Wizard of Oz was epic, 1960s. And if you had a color television, the movie flipped halfway through uh, when she ended up there in, um, with the, uh, not the Oompa Loompas, that's Willy Wonka. The Munchkins, yes. I get my Munchkins and my Oompa Loompas mixed up sometimes. But anyway with the munchkins, and um, then, it, then it's color. And it was, when you're a little kid and you've never seen color television, it was just a stunning thing. But man, we would so look for it. I wanted to see the Wicked Witch melt with the water. I saw it one time, and I was like, oh yeah, Wizard of Oz is coming on in three months, and it's two months away, and it's a month away. Can you imagine waiting like that to see something once, and then you have to wait a whole year to possibly see it again? That's why we grew up with so much anticipation in our life, because we just had to wait a whole year. I was so disappointed because my, my mom, we didn't have a lot of my mom and dad, the Wizard of Oz was on like on a Sunday night or Friday night or whatever, and we put out uh, the, 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 the crappy blanket that the kids got to use, and we would sit there, we made popcorn, and my mom is giving us uh, Pepsi floats, not Coke floats, we use Pepsi, Pepsi floats. And we're just drinking. I'm in, I'm in first grade, and I'm watching the movie. I'm mesmerized by it. And, and I'm drinking Pepsi floats. All of a sudden, I got that sensation. I have to go to the bathroom. I'm going to wet my pants. And I was holding off, holding off, holding off, holding off. Couldn't wait any longer. Ran into the bathroom uh, to pee my pants off right there. Came out and realized I had missed the witch getting melted because I did not time my bladder right when I was in first grade. So the Wizard of Oz has a very special place. So last night was a bucket list because I've always wanted to meet him and I met him last night for the first time in my life. I met uh, Toto. So there's Toto. So Toto, I, I've been waiting to meet Toto my whole life. And when I saw that he was here last night, I go, I got to meet Toto. And so uh, live dog, it was fantastic. Seriously, uh, it's just a great production. I loved every character. It was just magnificent. The lion, the scarecrow, the Tim. It just, it's just really something else. So anyway, that'll be going on uh, tomorrow night or tonight and over the weekend. So make certain you go, get a chance to go see it. All righty. This morning, we're going to take a few minutes to be in Revelation chapter one. And so let's take a moment, look on the screen. We're going to be in the very first chapter of the last book, chapter one of the last book. Um, John the Revelator is the John that we meet early in the Bible. Uh, 
Uh, it is consensus among almost every scholar that this is John the Beloved. Uh, um, and he has been banished to Patmos. He's outlived his contemporaries. Uh, there's powerful historical stories of his escaping martyrdom. Um, and he ends up on the island of Patmos, which was the Alcatraz Island of the New Testament. It's where they sent people to be forgotten. It was a, they were sending a message, not just sending a prisoner to that prison. They were sending a message about that prisoner to that prison. It was literally in exile, this island without vegetation and beauty and without shade. It was a very difficult place to exist was Patmos. So John is lived, outlived his contemporaries. And sometimes when you live a long life, uh, it doesn't always end in reward. Um, and it doesn't always indicate the life you've lived. And so here's John. He's about to be given this uh, supernatural revelation and letter to the churches, which we have called the book of Revelation. Um, but it's really an astounding framing of his life and, and the culmination of this one who Scripture tells us laid against the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper and received more in the Gospel of John. Every chapter, and I know that Scripture didn't start as chapters, but when it was broken down by chapters to help those that were reading and interpreting the Bible, every chapter in the book of John, the Gospel of John, has something in it that Matthew, Mark, and Luke does not tell. It's fascinating. You can find one thing in every chapter of the Gospel of John that's only in the Gospel of John. That's why we study the synoptics or the, the sameness of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, similar. And then John is typically studied. It's called a gospel, but it's also different than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because of its content. And so here John now has outlived his peers, and he is an old man on an island. And it's not like a retirement island, friends. Like, hey, that's cool. You're living in Fort Lauderdale. You know, that's not the image of Patmos. So let's read here together. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, Christ, to show his bondservants, which is a powerful depiction and descriptive of our Christian life. It's doulos, which is literally a bondservant is someone who's been set free, but circles back to the one who's freed them and becomes their slave. So scripture, uh, um, describes our relationship with sin as slavery. It's a provocative, powerful image. That's why human slavery is so um, diabolical because it is the definition of what our relationship is to sin that required the death of God's only son to free us from. So slavery is a very powerful image. It's also the image now of the willingness of someone to become a bond slave to Christ. So we become obliged to Christ out of willingness and volition in the same way a slave is, was um, um, obliged to their master through coercion and through violence and chains. It's a powerful image. It's provocative, but it's, it really tells us about John's commitment, our commitment to Christ in our life. This isn't a casual acquaintance we have. We're bond slaves. By our choice, I am, I am attaching myself and I will live with the duty and obligation of a slave to you, Jesus. You, you own me. You have me. I, I only do what you tell me to do. I only can do what you prescribe for me to do. That's the strength of that relationship described that this revelation was given 
to Jesus to pass on to bond servants, to his bond servant John. But Paul also used that term. Who testified to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Everything that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it for the time is near. So uh, most theologians believe there is a unique blessing when you read the book of Revelation regularly. I try to read it through a couple times a year just to read it through. I know great leaders like Jack Hayford implemented early in his ministry life. He was a great pastor. He read from Revelation every day like it was the book of Proverbs. He would read a portion. He took that command that there's a special blessing when you read this prophecy. So don't tuck it away and make it some obscure thing that you bump into on occasion in your life. Revelation, my favorite books of the Bible, Exodus, Old Testament, Romans, and the New, and Revelation is right there as well. When you read the book of Revelation, it's not designed to give you insight into a code or a mathematics so that you can predict things. The book of Revelation gives us enough math to keep us fascinated and for an entry-level person to be able to recognize what's going on. When Jesus said that before his return, the characteristics of society would be like a leaf turning on a tree or like a pregnant woman feeling a contraction. Everybody can understand that. Doesn't take a scholar to understand that a leaf just turned or what a birth pain is. So this prophecy is not intended to be so impossible, but it's also not given to us as a complete equation. What it does is it, it puts within us this shock and awe of Christ and his kingdom. So at the end of the day, we're not a bunch of arrogant predictors of the future. We throw down our crowns and we fall on our face and it makes us worship. We're to be worshipers. The whole book of Revelation is to turn you into a worshiper. To unlock shock and awe in you like, oh my goodness, Jesus. This is who you are. This is how it goes down. And <clears throat> this is the ultimate victory. Jesus, we worship you. We worship you. We worship you. The book of Revelation is intended to inspire worship in us. Here we go. So blessed is the one who reads those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it for the time is near. Next slide. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who was and who, who is, who was and who is to come. The one who holds authority over our past, our present and our future. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, that's where some of the ambiguity starts to start. Like, what are these seven spirits? And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he made us into a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There are numerous portions of Revelation that have been turned into lyrics and worship songs. Because the whole purpose of Revelation is to make you a worshiper. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the cloud. So here you have 
that the time is near and behold, he's coming again. So when we talk about living with the imminent return of Jesus Christ, the whole New Testament church, the contemporaries of my childhood, they believed and I believe Jesus is on the verge of his return. Now we live in the tension of living a life and occupying, as scripture tells us, and working as though he's not returning in our life, but living as though he is. We work as though he's going to come back after we die, but we live like he's coming back any given day, at any given moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That's lost on the church today. Nobody talks about the urgency for evangelism or the urgency for holiness because the Lord's coming again. When's the last time you heard sermons or teachings or contemplated yourself as a Christian about the return, the imminent return of Jesus Christ? It's going to happen like the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says. Things will be so normal that two people will be walking through Walmart. Well, the Bible says they'll be grinding at the mill. But two people walking through Walmart, one will be taken and one will be left. Two people will be, will be working at Microsoft and, or tilling a field is what it says. Two people will be working at the Vikings game. And one will be taken and one will be left. It's almost like people get to those passages and go, eh, it's just kind of too much Lord of the Rings right there for me. I'm just getting like, I can't figure it out. Let's just move on to other easier stuff to... But Jesus gave John this so that worship and his return would remain central to the Christian faith. So watch this. He made us to be a kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That wherever we go, we get to be an emblem of the kingdom, a sacrament of the greater whole. We get to be a representation of Jesus with the kingdom, meaning that righteousness, peace, and joy begin to dominate the ethos of whatever we touch, wherever we're at. Those characteristics of the kingdom are felt through your life. No matter what desk or what field you till or what field you explore in this life, righteousness, peace, and joy must mark that he has made us to be a kingdom. Priest to his God and Father. So we're now intercessors. We receive from God and deliver to the people. We receive from the people and deliver it to the Lord. That role of a priest. Now, we're not the high priest, nor are we the perfect priest that Christ was. Both lamb and priest in one thing was Jesus. He was both the sacrifice and the one who offered. The Bible even says that the greatest priests of, of history were flawed. They were not impeccable and imperfect. They were imperfect priests, no matter how much they were a cut above their contemporaries. Only one was found worthy. Revelation, we're not going to get there today, but when the scroll came forth, that was this legal document, and the Bible says that the angels flew everywhere. They looked under the earth, on the earth, and above the earth for anybody that could open the scroll. They looked into the demonic realm, the human realm, and the angelic realm. None except Christ was able to open that scroll. So when we talk about Jesus, please don't make him just a figure of history or a contemporary catalyst in your life. 
to do nice things for hurting people. Jesus puts his kingdom in us, his goodness in us. But please don't make Jesus casual. He's worthy of our worship. And that's why the great dividing line still in this world is Acts 4.12. There's no other name under heaven that's been given among men by which they must be saved. If you want to find out of all of these people who claim to be Christians in Hollywood and claim to be Christians in Washington, D.C. in politics, there's one very simple question to ask them. One very simple question. You're a Christian. Yes. Can you explain to me how a person gets to heaven? And if they say, well, you live a good life, whoop, you missed it. Halfway through your opening sentence, you missed it. If you base heaven on self-righteousness, on good works, on good deeds that I present, the Bible says, they actually call them filthy rags. And that, that no man or woman can boast so Jesus is the only name under heaven by which people are, can be saved, friends. You lose that conviction, you will never share your faith with anybody. There'll be religious people and like that, well, we just got to all get along and not kill each other. And that's the whole utopia that we're, no, this life is temporary. It's fading. It's about seeing people get saved and made whole in this life. But if you lose the urgency of Jesus coming again, your holiness goes down the drain and your willingness to open up your mouth to share Jesus Christ with others, it's, it's over. You're unplugged. You'll, be, you'll never be motivated if you don't believe that he is who he said he is, who was, who is, and who is to come. And all dominion and glory is his, that we're worshipers of him. Okay, we got we to hustle here. Here we go. To him be the glory and dominion. Boy, I'd love to break down dominion for you for just a few minutes, but uh, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. Those who killed him, those who rejected Christ will see him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be, amen, settled issue. No, not, this is not a for debate. There's nothing to edit, nothing to interpret. Amen. Next verse. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and fellow participant in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance in Jesus. I love that trilogy. It embedded into me early. Tribulation, kingdom, perseverance. Tribulation, which is you attacking me for specifically for my faith. Kingdom, which is in me, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. And perseverance, which is now my internal decision that kingdom trumps tribulation. I'm not going to let the tribulation suck my faith from my life. I'm not going to let people who, who uh, reject or cancel or mock conspire because I'm a Christian that believes in Jesus and worship him, worships him alone. 
The tribulation they bring collides with the kingdom in me and it translates into perseverance. Not quit, and I'm not going to quit. Kingdom, tribulation, kingdom, in Jesus. I was on the island called Patmos. I should have had a picture of Patmos for you. On, I was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God, because of my commitment to the Bible, my commitment. See, cancel culture is the island of Patmos. People don't like your biblical stance on something. Eh. You're out of here. And what the devil doesn't has never understood is every time he tried to cancel a legitimate Christian, the Christianity multiplied through the person. Seven times they tried to cancel legitimate Christians in the book of Acts. Every time the church grew. Now you can cancel an illegitimate Christian, someone who's there in word only, and they're going to run because the tribulation is greater than the kingdom in them. And they lose their perseverance. But a legitimate believer, when you try to cancel a legitimate believer, they don't fight according to carnal standards, but they can't stop speaking of that which they've seen and heard. So you can tell me, put me in jail, slap me in the face, threaten to kill me. I can take you through the seven tribulations in the book of Acts. First one is they laughed at him. Day of Pentecost. <laughs> what a drunk idiot. Being laughed at is powerful. Then they threatened him. Then they incarcerated him. Then they beat them. And then finally, by the time it came to Stephen, they killed him. So you had martyrdom in that spectrum that began with laughter, culminated in martyrdom. Then, then they tried to make it all disorganized through bad administration. Widows weren't being cared for. Then they tried to destroy the church through false teaching in Acts 15. Council of Jerusalem had to solidify justification by faith. So false teaching, bad organization, martyrdom, threatening imprisonment, beating, being laughed at. Every time this happened, the church got stronger. It got bigger. It got better every time the enemy tried to cancel and so it says here, I was on the island of Patmos. We may just have to park here for one second and pick this up. Who will you become on, on Patmos? Every one of us, and I was reading today, leaned over to Josh and just said, wow, we're, we are in just some tumultuous times, just socially, spiritually. I read today that there is... Four million able-bodied men. I'm a, this is on the male side of the equation. And we believe that God created people male and female in his image, friends. Your generation is going to have to stand up to itself on this one. You're not protesting me. I'm 60. Okay? You're going to have to protest yourselves. Your generation is going to require prophetic, strong, Biblically committed voices who won't yell at people my age, and we shouldn't be yelling at people anyway, but standing for truth against your own generation. I told our class the other day, phenomenal. I mean, your generation's unbelievable. And I say this as a generalization. 
But you're very gifted. We handed you technology, man. You've taken technology and you have, you have taken evil to a level that we never dreamed. Not me. Now I say that as a father to you. But you got to be full of the Holy Ghost so that you have the courage to be put on Patmos for your faith. I was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. The teachings of Jesus. Remember I told you, you can't love Jesus but be embarrassed of the Bible. Okay. Like, well, I love the Lord, but the, most of what this book said makes, I, I don't know how to explain it. I, I, people react to it. I'm just not in the mood at 20 years old to have this kind of conflict in my life. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to cope myself. So why would I say things to make my friends mad? John was on the island because of the teachings of Jesus and his own testimony. Now watch this. Verse 10 is one of the greatest verses, life changers for me. And we have two minutes. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. How in the world do you get canceled to Patmos and remain in the spirit? Because usually Patmos takes the spirit of God out of a person. Patmos could be many things. It doesn't have to be biblical social persecution. It could be you're walking through cancer. You're walking through something that you care about has fallen apart. Something close to you, you've not fallen, but the collapse of what was near to your parents' marriage, your grandparents' health. I'll never forget when Karen's mom got dementia. My dad passed away of heart failure before. So our first bout with dementia and Alzheimer's was Karen's mother. And she had a couple seizures. You could tell started to go. And Karen would go to the house and see her mom. And one day she came home and she looked at me and she says, my mom didn't know who I was today. For the first time in your life, you're a daughter, but your mom doesn't know who you are. That was a Patmos for Karen. What I'm saying is that how do we remain in the spirit on the Lord's day? Because it's, it's not what you're on. You could be on your way to the unemployment office, on your way to this, or on your way. It's not what you're on. It's what you're in. Okay, it's what you're in. If what you're in is the spirit, no patch of grass on this planet called Patmos is going to take you out because the kingdom is stronger than the tribulation resulting in perseverance. Okay? Let's all stand together, friends. Cross the building. Man, that's the introduction to this. We, we, we didn't even get to the good stuff yet. Hallelujah. I'm glad you mustered up the strength or maybe you're out of cuts and came to Friday Chapel. Let me see your hands. Hallelujah. I want us to spend a few moments welcoming the Spirit. I was on Patmos, but in the Spirit. I want that phrase to stay with you for the rest of your life. You can forget who preached it or who said it. I don't care. But I, I really believe that being on Patmos in this day because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus in your life is going to make more sense moving forward 
than it ever has before in this country where people are being canceled emotionally, relationally. But even if it's not for your testimony, Pat Moss again can represent just a very difficult patch of grass, a chapter in your life right now. And you are struggling to be in the spirit on the Lord's day on Patmos. But we have to fundamentally say, Jesus, I receive today that your kingdom in me, I'm a partaker in the kingdom, is greater than the tribulation. And those two things are creating perseverance in my life. But to let the tribulation become greater than the kingdom inside, you won't persevere. So the Holy Spirit's helping bring all of this together in our life. I just want us to spend a few minutes in prayer. We have some of our staff and faculty that stay here just for a few minutes uh, to pray. Why don't you guys come across the front here. If you brought something to Friday Chapel that you're carrying heavy in your heart, you need a touch from heaven, something from home going on, and you want just some individual prayer, get with your, also, if you could just take, even if you could stay for five minutes, 10 minutes, just to pray, just to touch in prayer and agreement something that is going on. If you can stay all the way through to about 12.15-ish, uh, 12.30 right there, no later than 12.30. Uh, uh, Josh is gonna help lead that prayer time. Um, if you stay till a little bit, we invite you to do that. Get with your dorm mates, your floor mates, whatever it is, make a circle, pray for each other. If there needs to be some forgiveness, Friday's all about forgiving people. And then it's homework holiness and hang up your clothes. That's what you got to do on the weekend. But let's use Fridays as a chance just to say, hey, is my heart clean? Am I picking up residue, stuff from this world? I want to live in the spirit, uh, even on Patmos. We'll, we'll do more of this text. Jesus, we love you today. and We thank you, God, for this room, for this wonderful school. Can we lift our hands to heaven real quick? Jesus, we just welcome you into our life afresh and anew, God. Lord, we pray that the word of God would be mighty and powerful, Lord, inside of us today. Rich, abundant in our life, God. And that, Lord, we would not yield one inch of our progress in Christ or our faith in Christ. Thank you for our beloved school, Jesus. Thank you for the beloved testimony of North Central. Thank you for the new students that are going to be choosing to come to this great school, God. Father, bless them today. Bless this time of prayer today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. These altars are open. Pray with somebody. Pray in a circle. Get with friends. Just hang out for a few moments. Vinny's going to be filling the room with some beautiful instrumental music. God bless you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.